the second day of August, 2006, episode 41. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Rookie Designer is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. There are many great designers out there, hidden in small and large businesses of the world, who may not get the credit and acclaim for their work that those in the touted design firms do. There are many times the working class of the design world, and treated as such, but it takes a special talent to be a member of this group we call in-house designers. This is Borna.org Radio. Stand by for promo. You're the announcer. Not your ordinary tech show. Bawana.org Radio. A virtual potpourri of technology. Bawana.org Radio. It's tech news, video game reviews, open source software, and general gadgets. It's not just for Mac or Windows. Bawana talks about both. It's been an exciting, exciting week if you're an Apple fan or if you're a Microsoft Windows fan. Check out Bawana.org Radio by going to Bawana.org. That's B-W-A-N-A dot O-R-G. It's Bawana.org Radio. Check it out today. First piece of business is that we are nominated, if you haven't heard yet, and you probably have, we're nominated for a podcast award. So if you want to help the show out and uh, give us your vote each and every day, you can vote once every 24 hours. Just go to podcastawards.com. You can vote for all your favorite podcasts there and give us a vote in the education category. Once you uh, fill the whole form out and submit it, you're going to get an email and just click on the link in your email and you will have voted for the show. And this is going to go on until August 11th, so you still have a little bit, a little while to do it. And again, you can vote every 24 hours, and I'd really appreciate it if you did so. There's some very good podcasts up against us in the education category, so we can use every vote that we can get. It's also a new month, so if you really enjoy voting for podcasts, then you can go on over to Podcast Alley and vote for us there. Or simply go to the website at rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. And put your name, your email in the form field and and hit the submit button. And once again, you're going to have to verify your email there. And if you listen to Quick Tips for Designers, or if you watch Quick Tips for Designers as well, uh, you can go vote for that show too, if you so choose. But uh, it's definitely appreciated if you do any of those. Most important on, on my list anyways is the podcast awards this month. So if you want to ditch out on the podcast alley and do the podcast awards instead, I will not be disappointed. Uh, it was brought to my attention by one of the people from my network, that's the Tech Podcasts Network at te- techpodcast.com. One of the members told me that he went up on iTunes, he, is, he had been listening to my show and he went to go get some back episodes of it. And I guess in iTunes, it was missing like number 10 through 31 or something like that. That problem has been cured. There was a problem with it and they weren't showing up. So if you actually subscribe to uh, to the podcast then they weren't going to show up. So now if you go back now and you hit the update podcast little button thing, then it should 
go ahead and fill all those other ones in. So you should be able to get number one through number 41 now. So hopefully that's working out for everybody. And if you ever have a problem like that where you're in your aggregator and you're not able to download certain shows, please send me an email and let me know. Uh, I can send an email to adam at rookiedesigner.com. But if we're having problems, I want to know about it so I can fix it. I want everybody to have access to all the episodes that are out there because they are out there for that reason. Um, I also was reading a post up on the forum and it was from somebody whose coworker had told him about the show and now he's all interested and in listening and participating on the forums. Please, if you know people that are in the design field, if you have coworkers or if you have other students in your class, please let them know about this podcast if you think it could help them out. Um, our numbers have been kind of stagnant of late and I'm not sure what that's due to. It might be because uh, a lot of people are out of school now. They're on summer break or whatever. But uh, our numbers, they're not going down, but they're they are not climbing as much as they were uh, about a month ago. So if you have friends that you, you know would be into it and aren't listening yet, please let them know about the podcast and uh, spread the word so we can have a very giant community. A couple of pieces of news. The uh, Autodesk has released Maya 8. It's the newest version of the 3D software. Uh, it comes with a few new features. You can go to, I believe it's autodesk.com to go read more about that if you're into the 3D world. Um, the Apple Worldwide Developer Conference is going to be held August 7th through 11th, and that's in San Francisco. And there's always big hype for these things. you got to watch out for because uh, Steve Jobs usually has some big thing to unveil at these things. So I don't know if it's going to be a, a new iPod or... There's been a lot of talk about the Windows iPod killer that's coming out. It's called the Zune, the Z-U-N-E. And a lot of people are saying that it's uh, it's going to be a pretty good product and it's going to give Apple a run for their money finally. But, uh, you know, this could be the one time when maybe these companies usually know what's going on with each other. So maybe there's some new killer iPod that's going to be better than that coming out or... Maybe something else, maybe another kind of computer. Maybe they'll finally release the the new Intel towers. Who knows? But just keep your eyes on that, and some news will probably be coming out of there. Uh, one thing, one more thing about myself. I'd said before that I'm going to attend the uh, Portable Media and Podcast Expo. It's in Ontario, California. It's at the end of September, and I'm actually not going to be able to go now. I have uh, another commitment that I have to attend to in Northern California. So I won't be there. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody that listens to the show was going to go to that anyways, but if you were and you were hoping to meet up with me there, then uh, sorry about that. I'm not going to be able to make it. I am, however, going to be able to make it to the Photoshop World Expo, which is held in Las Vegas this year. And I believe that one, is, I don't know when that one is. I got to look it up. Let me just look this up real quick. It's in... Uh, I believe that's in September as well. Yeah, it's September 7th through 9th at the Mandalay Bay Casino Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So I will be attending that. So if you are going to go to Photoshop World this year, definitely send me an email or give me some kind of message and we'll try and hook up. I'd like to meet anybody who listens to this show. I've already made plans with uh, one of our listeners. So go hang out, have some drinks, and maybe talk a little shop, or maybe not talk a little shop, but just hang out and uh, have a good time with that. So today we're talking about in-house design. 
And the first thing I wanted to look at was basically what is in-house design. And there's a couple different areas here, a couple different ways you can split it up. The first one is the individual. And this pretty much describes my job as it is right now. You, you might be the, the do-it-all person. Basically, in my job, nobody else does design. There was a web designer. That person now is not there anymore or is in a different position. So I am basically the only person there that does what I do. And this, as we'll look at uh, a little bit later, has its advantages and disadvantages. But basically, if you're that type of person, you're the only designer in the company, you're kind of the do-it-all guy or girl. And uh, you're going to be working for lots of different departments, fulfilling different things for them. Um, some of them may be out of the scope of your job. Sometimes there's not enough work for me. So I end up doing, um, I don't know what you'd call it, maybe more clerical stuff that really probably wouldn't fall into my job description, but we are kind of a startup company as well. So if you work for a startup, you're going to have to do things out of the scope of your position at times. You just have to be a team player because there's not a whole lot of people in the business. Uh, this might not be the case if you're in a larger company and you're, uh, an in-house designer, but just something to keep in mind. Most times it's going to be small businesses. I'd say these are probably the, the biggest ones that have a single in-house person because it's a small business. They can't afford, first of all, they can't afford to have their own in-house uh, group or team of many designers, but also they many times can't afford to send out to a design firm because it's very expensive. And if they're a small business, they probably have a pretty small budget. So it's a lot more cost effective for them to hire one person to do all their design and get that all done that way. And if you hear a little yipping and barking, it's because we have a brand new puppy. He's like 11 weeks. So I apologize for the, the noise. If you can hear it, I can hear it in, in my, the back of my head here. Anyways, where was I? So what do you bring to the table? If you're an in-house designer, you're the, the only designer in the company. Uh, first of all, you're going to save, save the company a lot of money over design firms, even over freelancers. Freelancers tend to, to cost a lot more, even though they're not working for the company all the time. They tend to cost more than actually having somebody in-house there all the time that, that can do jobs on a whim. And that's one of the other things. You can pick up jobs and get them done very quickly because you can have instant revisions. They don't have to, uh, you don't have to set up meetings and go meet somebody, go meet a firm or meet a freelance designer and talk about things. You're right there in the office. So they can come to you and say, let's change this, this, and this, and you do it and everything's good to go. Uh, you can also help with education and planning. If uh, other people know, and we've talked about this in the past, say your manager needs to know something about what you're doing. Like I pretty much schooled my manager about different file formats, different resolutions. That's something you can do. You can help these people out. And planning, uh, you know, if they go out to a freelancer, they're basically just going to say, we need this. How are we going to get to this point? And the freelancer can basically at that point tell them anything they want. Uh, they could basically rip them off if they if they felt they needed to, to, to get enough money out of them. With you there, you provide that ability to plan things and plan and execute and uh, get everything done in a timely fashion. Uh, like I said before, you're going to be support for all the departments. I mainly work for the marketing department in my job, but I do also support like the, the de developer department where I make web graphics for them. Uh, 
I support pretty much everybody. There's even down to the fact that some people don't have Acrobat and they need me to turn their Word files into PDFs. It gets out ridiculous sometimes, but, you know, comes with the job. And I think to sum it all up, you basically are giving them quality design on, on a daily basis. They can come to you, like I said, if they have something that comes up very quickly, you can plan and execute it in a timely fashion. Whereas with a freelancer or a design firm, it's going to take a long time to get through that process. What do you get out of this job? Well, first of all, you get maximum exposure to many different fields. And this is something that comes with it too. I work in many different mediums. I work in print. Uh, Like I said, I make graphics for web and I actually do a little uh, hand coding myself. I've done videos before. I've done multimedia projects, CD-ROMs. I've done all kinds of stuff. And if you're coming out of school, this is kind of a good thing because, well, at least my school, they taught you a little bit of everything just like this. So it was good for me. I get to put all this knowledge to use and practice it on a daily basis or a weekly basis at least. And it keeps me fresh with all that. So that's a very good thing. But even if you don't have a lot of experience in all those different things, if you're the only individual there that does what you do, you're probably going to get at least some experience in many different fields. Um, No one knows your job. And this can kind of go both ways. But I'd say it's a good thing because... People won't be telling you to do what to do. You know, my my manager before was the marketing manager or the director of marketing. And he was kind of not that nice of a person. Let's put it nicely. Um, He would tell a lot of people what to do and he was pretty bossy and, and stuff like that sometimes. But he never once told me what to do because he didn't know. He doesn't know how to do what I do. So basically, I was telling him what we should do or how things had to go instead of him barking orders at me. So that was a good thing. Where it becomes bad is sometimes people don't know what you do and don't think you do enough or, or something like that, and it, it can turn into some kind of prejudice, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, I've talked many times about the worst thing about my job, I think, is the fact that I don't have anyone to collaborate with. I don't have another designer in the office to bounce ideas off of, to learn from, to teach stuff that I know to which in one way was the reason that I started this podcast, but it's good to have that interaction with somebody. And that's probably one of the biggest downsides to to being the in-house do-it-all guy in a business. Sometimes you also have to stand up for your creativity. And this is something that I I do in my job quite a bit. Uh, My job, again, if you don't know, we make GPS units for cars. So it's like location tracking and diagnostics information. So it's pretty professional type business. They don't like to get too crazy with their designs. But when you keep making this professional looking white and gray and the company colors stuff all the time, it gets pretty boring. So how do you spruce up your job? You got to, you know, make things a little creative sometimes. So sometimes I try and throw some wild colors or different looking designs out at them. And a lot of times they come back to me and say, they say, no, this is a little over the top for what we're doing here. But sometimes, you know, I break through little by little. They're becoming more accepting of the things that I'm giving to them. So uh, sometimes you do have to fight for your creativity to be able to uh, to be able to to do what you want to do as far as the design goes. The good thing about this, too, though, is being the only individual you're not a production artist. There's not someone telling you exactly what to do. They're probably going to give you lots of feedback. Like, I like this. I don't like that. 
but you are the creative person. You come up with the initial design at most times. The next category we have is the group. And uh, you could have a, a small or a large team of designers. It really depends on the size of the business and what they can afford. If you listen to the Be A Design cast, it's the Be A Design group blog, and they have a, a podcast for that, and they talk about design as well. It's a very good podcast. But they do interviews, and they interviewed this guy that works for Target. And he, I forget what exactly what his position was. I think he was one of the higher-ups of the InDesign team for Target. Target is obviously a very large corporation, so they have enough money to hire, basically make their own little design firm of their own, that only works on their projects, only works on target projects. And he seemed to, to think that it was a very good job. He really liked his job. And he had super education. He, I think he had a, at least a master's, but maybe a PhD. And he was working in-house. And he said, you know, he got a lot of criticism for that because he is so educated and he works, you know, an in-house design job. Because, again, as we'll talk about a little bit later, sometimes it's looked down upon by those in, like, design firms or higher position or quote-unquote, higher positions in design. But uh, he loved his job, you know, and this is the thing. With bigger corporations, you're going to be able to work in more of a group environment, even though you are still doing in-house design. You may be more specialized in something like this because, again, it is kind of more like a firm. It's a group of designers, so obviously you're not the only one person having to do every single thing for the company, so you might be more specialized so that you can have uh, faster processes and get things turned around a lot quicker. Uh, obviously, it's going to be advantageous to the company to have at least you know a group or a section of the group doing print, a section doing multimedia, web, audio, video, and so on and so forth. And even in that, you know, d depending on how big the group is, you may be specialized. You know, you might be in print and you may be specialized into one area. So this has many of the same pros and cons that working as an individual does. A couple of different things. You do get the interaction. When you're in a group, obviously, you have lots of people to bounce ideas off of. You might even have an art director that's going to give you provide some, uh, some vision and some direction for you. And again, you get to learn from people and share your knowledge with other people as well, which you should definitely be doing if you have that available to you. Uh, your position may be less creative. Again, you might have art directors and uh, even higher-ups, even graphic designers who are the creative people, and you might have the, uh, the other people who are production artists who basically do what they're told. So you run the risk of this, especially if you're very new to the, the design field. You're probably going to start at the lower rungs. So uh, again, it has the same benefits that you can get things turned around very quickly, Jobs can be brought up to you very quickly. Uh, you have instant revisions. Uh, it might be less likely for, for something as large as Target. They probably have a certain person that they go to to show the final drafts of things, and, and it might not be in the same area. It might not be in the same building. In fact, it probably isn't. But uh, especially when you have stores all over the country and there's probably designers spread throughout the country. But you get the idea. For the most part, it's going to be faster, again, than going out to a design firm. Uh, one of the good things, you get to really get in tune with the business, the what kind of image they want to portray, what kind of message they're trying to put forth to the public. And the reason for this is you work for only one client. 
even though it may seem like a design firm because you have a big group of people working, uh, you're still working just for that one client. So you can really kind of hone in on what they want to uh, get across with their with their company and their products or whatever it might be. And this, of course, goes for uh, working as an individual as well. You're still your in-house, so you're only working for your one company. And uh, things are going to to be pretty much the same. You're going to go along with the company vision. The third category I have here is what you might call the lower rung. And this is the production artists. As I said before, teams, they might have art directors, they might have graphic designers or artists who are the more creative positions. But there's also always the production artists. And I just call this the lower rung because... This is the person that doesn't get to put a lot of creative thought into the designs. They're the person that executes other people's ideas. And I don't want to downplay the importance of this position because it's extremely important. And speaking on that on that same topic, you really shouldn't give up these jobs. When you first go into the design field, it's it's not the most exciting thing to do production artwork. And if you can get better jobs, then yes, you should look at those other jobs. But if you don't have anything else on the table staring you in the face, then you definitely have to take a look at these production jobs because they're going to give you tons of experience. If you just stick with this job for like a year, when you come out and you start looking for a job again, you're going to be very, very attractive to other employers because you have that experience under your belt. In most cases, unless you're going to go into a position kind of like I did where you're an individual and nobody really knows, nobody really expects much from you because they don't know what you do, you're probably not going to be in a position where you have a lot of creative freedom. You're probably going to have to start out in a position where you're just executing other people's visions. So, And it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. So definitely don't feel bad if you have to take that job. Many successful artists, their first jobs were very much like that, if not exactly like that. So, you know, you are kind of lower on the totem pole, but like I said, that's okay. You might not have much or any creative input to what you're doing, but you just kind of follow your orders and you try and do it the best you can and you work on the the smaller skills that are really going to make you a better designer in the long run. And this job is also important because it frees up the designers that do have to really breathe the creativity into the jobs. They don't want to be stuck doing the the really tedious work that really takes away from their creativity. So that's why there are production artists. But again, it's a very good learning experience. So if you have the opportunity to do that and there's there's nothing better really on the table, then go ahead and take one of those jobs. The Keys to the Game, brought to you by techpodcast.com. I thought of our key command today because of a message that I got from one of our listeners, Nikki. And they were saying, uh, they were referring to when I said that you can use the find and replace command to get rid of double spaces after periods. And they said, well, sometimes you can have people who use the, the space bar to make tabs, like they'll use tons of spaces, three, four, five, and, and more. And they said, well, you should keep running this find and this find and replace command to be able to get rid of all of those. And I thought, well, yeah, that's that's one way to do it. But probably the best way to do it is to show invisibles. And you can do this in both InDesign and Quark. And 
Well, I didn't get the PC equivalent, so I'm just going to guess on these, so hopefully I'm right. Uh, in InDesign, if you want to show the invisibles, and what that means is it shows you where the paragraphs are. It has little paragraph markers. It shows you the spaces as dots. So if you have two words and there's two dots in between, there's two spaces there. And it shows you where the tabs are and, and everything like that. So in InDesign, on the Mac, you're going to press Command-Option-I. And on the PC, I'm guessing it's going to be Control-Alt-I. In Cork Express, on the Mac, you're going to press Command-I. And on the PC, again, I'm guessing, so hopefully I'm right, it should be Control-I. Now in InDesign, there's a couple of different ways you can look at your document. Uh, one way is you're seeing the whole thing, you're seeing the bleeds and, and anything else, and you do that by pressing W is the key command for that to go back and forth, and you can toggle off to where you can see everything or to where you can see what it's going to look like when it's trimmed. So um, again, pressing W will get you in between those two. You have to be in the one where you can see the bleeds, and then you use the key command to show invisibles. With the rest of the show, I kind of want to look at the different reasons of why you might want to be an in-house designer or why you might not want to be an in-house designer. And like I said in the beginning, it really takes a special kind of person to do this kind of job. Some people just aren't cut out for working in the type of businesses that you have to work in to have this type of job or working by themselves or so on and so forth. So reasons why you might want to have this job and a lot of this might be repetitive, but you're going to get good experience in many different areas. The business is most likely going to need you to do several different things. And again, it's going to give you that practice. It's going to give you the know-how in not just one area, but several. And many times, uh, this job might give you pretty good pay. If you're working for some of the larger corporations, or even if you're just working for a corporation in general, Sometimes they, they might have higher pay scales than if you're the low man on the totem pole at a design firm. So it might be a job that you can get into with comparable knowledge and experience, but actually be able to make more. So that's a good thing. Uh, it's a good opportunity to get your feet wet and uh, really try out uh, several different things and maybe find what you like to do best. Or if not, you know, maybe it's just a good way to, like I said, you take a job for a year and when you get out, then you can you can get that job at a design firm because you have all that knowledge, all that experience under your belt. You can actually develop a style for a company, especially if you're working as an individual, as the only designer in the business. Obviously, everything that comes out of your workflow is going to be what the company looks like. You come up for uh, with designs for websites or business cards, letterhead, brochures, anything like that. You're basically showing what this company is putting forth. It's all coming from you, and and that's a pretty good thing to be able to put in your portfolio. And that's a very good thing. It looks very good to potential employers in the future. So another great thing there. This is also an opportunity for you to work as part of a close-knit team. Now, if you're an individual, you're the only one in the business, then you're part of a very, very close-knit team because you're working only with yourself. But this really goes more for the people who work as a team of designers maybe for a larger business. And well, you guys are working pretty much on the same kind of stuff because even if you're in different mediums, the company likes to portray their same message throughout everything, throughout all their audio and video commercials, maybe throughout their, their web campaigns or their print campaigns, 
everything is going to be very, very close together. So you're probably going to be working pretty closely with everybody, even if you're not working on exactly the same thing. So why wouldn't you want to be an in-house designer? And I could probably come up with a million of these just because this is the job that I have. And well, to tell you the truth, I get a little sick of it sometimes. So it's easy to come up with negative things, but these are some of the things that I think are the worst things. First of all, you might be looked down upon. And I said this before, you you may be kind of not accepted. And there's two different things with this. There's the people who are in the design firms or who have these plush design jobs and they kind of say, oh, well, you know, these people are worthless. That's why they go work in-house somewhere instead of coming to the design firm and having the talent to, to work there. And then there's the people at your work that might look down upon you. And I'm going to talk on that in just a minute. But basically, I say, you know, this is no reason not to take an in-house job. If this is your only reason not to take that job, then you need to take that job because that's not a good enough reason. Uh, this is your career. This is your life. You really need to uh, not pay attention to anyone who has something to say about that. If you think this job is going to help you out, and it probably will if you're just starting out, then you need to go ahead and take that because it really is. It's going to help your career blossom. It's going to help you get better jobs in the future. And really, there's nothing wrong with working in-house at all. The big one that I say is the one that gets on my nerves, I guess you would say the most, is the office politics. And this comes a lot. This might not come with the smaller businesses. If you work for a very small business, this probably isn't going to apply to you. And my business only has about 50 people in it, so it's not that bad. But the thing was, we were owned by a parent company, a big, big corporation. And they had certain rules, and it kind of trickled down into our business having to have certain rules. And there's a lot of corporate policies out there. And I'm not going to go into details about you know what all these are, but there's a lot of stuff that, that you really probably wouldn't have to deal with if you're in a design firm or in some other kind of, like I said, like a smaller business job. You also have to, uh, a lot of times, work in cubicles. You're going to work in an office that's just full of cubicles. It has, it's very stale. It has uh, fluorescent lighting everywhere. And it's just not a good atmosphere for, for fueling your creative energies. Uh, I know a lot of places, a lot of design firms, a lot of places geared more towards design. They'll have actually a, a game room or something like that. First of all, it's going to be a, a more active environment for you, but they might have some kind of playroom where they have uh, video games or a pool table or just somewhere for the designers to go when they're stuck in a rut and you can go and get your mind off everything for a little bit and put it into some kind of positive creative energies and really get that that flow back. And this isn't something you're, you're really going to find in a corporate business. Uh, you also might have to uh, dress up to go to work which may not seem like that big of a deal, but for some of us it is. I hate dressing up. Again, it, it, I feel like it, it restricts my creativity if I have to wear a suit, and I don't have to wear a suit to work. My, my work is pretty good about this, but sometimes you do have to dress up, you know, at least business casual, and for some people it's kind of suffocating, so that, that's another down point. Usually they expect you to keep standard hours, and this is another thing where in a design atmosphere, most likely you're going to be able to have flexible hours, meaning when you have lots of tight deadlines, when things need to get done, 
you're going to be working overtime and that has to be okay with you. You're going to work overtime. You're going to work weekends if you have to, to get it done and get it out. But the, the flip side of that coin is when there's not a whole lot to do, when you're kind of in a lull, you're going to get to go home early. You're not going to have to stay at work a full eight hours. When you're in a, a corporate business environment, that's usually not acceptable. You usually have to stay there your eight hours, whether you're totally swamped or whether you have absolutely nothing to do. Another issue may be your equipment and the lack of good equipment or the lack of equipment that you that you need to get your job done. Case in point, it took me forever to get them to buy a, a Mac computer where I work. And the big thing with this was we were submitting artwork to a lot of magazines that requested Macintosh files. So being the nice guy that I was, I actually used my laptop for a long time uh, with actually no reimbursement, which was pretty stupid on my part. But finally, they bought me an iMac, and uh, those iMacs are actually pretty good. I, I didn't think that it would be worthy of, of all the work that I do, but it holds up pretty good. But anyways, it took them forever to for me to convince them that we actually needed this, and which is totally ridiculous because some of these corporations waste so much money on really stupid stuff, but they don't, you know, they just can't justify spending $1,200 on a Macintosh machine because, you know, it's a PC environment. And that's another thing in, in the corporate world, it's usually going to be a PC environment. Not to say that you can't use a PC because a lot of designers do use PCs. But if you have restrictions, if you have people telling telling you that they need Mac files, then obviously you're going to need something to, to work with there. And it doesn't always have to do with computers. Maybe there's uh, maybe you're doing video work and you need a camera. Or there's always a, a need for different kinds of software. And as we all know, the software isn't cheap. So sometimes it's hard to push those things through in some of these businesses. And then we get to the opinions, the opinions of the people that work with you. And again, this, this is again where the bad thing comes in, where people don't know what you do or people think they know what you do. You'll get this, uh, the people that think that your job, because it's art, is fun. And therefore, you shouldn't be you know, paid what you're paid. You shouldn't be able to work there. Uh, you're lower on the totem pole than they are. And uh, I think this is a pretty common thing. And you just kind of have to look past it. At my job... There's a lot of engineers, there's a lot of electrical engineers who are extremely smart and, well, they pretty much look down on everybody else in the company, but especially someone who's the artist because they're pretty much all on the left side of their brain and we're pretty much all on the other side and, you know, the the two halves just don't usually meet. They don't see eye to eye, so it's pretty common for that, but you really just have to ignore this. I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to have, it, it could even happen with uh, people who are your supervisors thinking that, that you're not really pulling your weight just because of what you do. So it's, it's a constant battle sometimes, and it's something that you just have to be able to, to deal with. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. The tip today actually comes from uh, what I was talking about in the keys to the game. And this is not something that I've done. Uh, it's something that you might find people do who are not in the design world, but it's something that I learned early on in desktop publishing. And you definitely have to know this. If you don't know this, you're not going to go very far. Please, for the love of God, don't use the spacebar for tabs. 
Don't use the return key to put space after a line. That's why we use things like InDesign and Quark. They have, they have the ability to put space after a line. I think even Word does, but people never use it for that. People always, if they're going to a new paragraph and they want lots of space, they'll put five returns in there. If they want to tab something over, they'll use the space bar like 20 times. Don't ever do this. There's nothing that makes you look more unprofessional. I think this is even worse than having typos in your work. If you're a designer or desktop publisher, don't ever do this because you just might run the risk of being laughed out of the office. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our bullpen today is a site that I came across a while back and I thought it was kind of funny, but also kind of informative. The website is buzzwhack.com. And as always, this is going to be up on the website in the show notes, as well as on the right hand of the, of the website. If you scroll down, you'll see all the websites that we have in the bullpen. Buzzwhack is uh, kind of like an online dictionary of buzzwords. And I think this comes in really handy if you're in the corporate world, in the business world. A lot of people use a lot of jargon and you don't always know what it means. And sometimes maybe that, maybe that feel, makes you feel a little stupid. Uh, personally, I don't really care, but th- there's also a lot of funny things in there people have put in. Um, and I had a couple examples and I forgot to bring them with me, but there are a couple of funny ones in there. I'll try, try and find them and maybe post them up later. But just ways of talking about people and the way they do things in the business world, which many times there are very funny things about that. One more time, I'll just beat this dead horse We are nominated and a finalist for the Education Podcast Award. We are going against some very, very good podcasts, including Tips from the Top Floor, who has about a half a million listeners. So if we want to beat them, I'm going to need everyone's help. Just go to podcastalley.com and vote for all your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to vote for Rookie Designer in the Education category. Uh, Submit your votes, and when you get the email, click on the link and your vote will be counted. And you can do that once every 24 hours until August 11th. So please give me your votes. As always, you can contact us if you uh, have any questions, if you want to suggest a topic for the show, if you have anything else. Again, if you're going to Photoshop World and you want to meet up with me, you can send me an email at adam at rookiedesigner.com. You can Skype me at username titanstrides. Or you can call the call-in line 619-573-4043. And remember to add the country code in a 1 if you're outside the U.S. You can go to myspace.com slash rookie designer. And last but definitely not least, you can join the forum or go up to the forum if you're already a member and uh, make a post. Definitely tell your friends. If you have friends who are also in the design world as a student, as a worker, as someone who's just interested in design, definitely those people, uh, tell them about the show. Uh, Send them a link, send them to the website, show them how to subscribe in iTunes, do something. Help us out here. We need to uh, boost our numbers. Uh, It's a new month. If you really like voting, if you like that whole process of voting because it's so fun, uh, go, to, go to Podcast Alley, or rather go to the Rookie Designer website, rookiedesigner.com slash rookie, and uh, give us your vote for Podcast Alley. We've actually been dropping down on the list a little bit lately, but I haven't cared because hopefully you guys are voting on podcastawards.com instead. That's definitely the more important one right now. 
But uh, Podcast Alley, we're still we're still in the top five, so I'm not too worried about it. Actually, I'm never that worried about it. So if you have the time, give me your vote. Uh, and once again, I'm not going to be attending the podcast and portable media expo. So if you were going to, if you were planning on seeing me there, then don't plan on it anymore. But if you are going to Photoshop world, I am going to that. So let's definitely meet up if you're going to be in Vegas, right? That's about it for this show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I know I have a lot of new listeners that have been emailing me. So thank you for subscribing and the old faithfuls that have been here for 41 episodes. Thank you for staying subscribed and tuning in every week. And just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's